All right, we're going to get things started. We're going to get into it. Um, man, again, so much happening in the uh, in the Hedera ecosystem right now. I think that the H-Bar Bull said it on his show recently um, that it's just so hard to... Like, I think... Hit, hit, I remember when the H-Bar Bull was putting out episodes. They were about 30 minutes long, 45 minutes long. Now each of those episodes is about an hour and a half, I'd say, or more. Um, my show keeps getting longer and longer. And there's also like so many more shows, like a quick shout out to um, the NFT Table Talk show with uh, Fatboy that he hosts with um, some wonderful co-hosts, The Ruler and um, Captain and all that kind of stuff. You know, a show focused on just the NFT ecosystem. Um, you know, Hello Future Buzz. I mean, there's just so many shows. And now we also have um, shows that kind of focus on a specific area of the ecosystem. I'm thinking, why don't we have a DeFi show? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of NFT-related spaces. And I'm wondering if there is. Like, if, if someone is doing it, let me know. I'd love to tune in. I'm feeling a little out of the loop um, when it comes to DeFi on Hedera. There's just so much going on. It's hard to keep track of. So I'm like, well, you know, people do, you know, I do kind of a, a news show. Um, Hello Future Buzz does great interviews with all sorts of guests. we got NFT shows. But the DeFi show, I wonder if there's a Hedera DeFi show out there. I'm curious. Um, but one thing about, about this show that I want to talk about just before we get into it is um, I get a lot of guest requests and because of the time slot that this show is at, which I love, by the way, I love that this is kind of, we've had this time slot for this show, I think for over a year and a half at this point. So I don't want to, I don't really want to change it. And now that the show is available on kind of all major podcast platforms like Spotify and YouTube and all that kind of stuff, um, the recording is out there ready to listen to. So people, you know, the amount of listeners keep growing. But I want to do some more guests and like not every guest, like for example, um, Matt, the CTO of Dovu, um, reached out to me and, you know, he wants to come by the show. They've got a lot of stuff going on over there. I love having him on the show. When was the last time I had Matt on the show? Uh, let me see here. Um, last time I had Matt on the show was, I don't even have it here. Guys, it might it's it's probably it might have been over a year since I've had um Matt from Dovo on the show. But as we talked about a couple episodes ago, they're making some big changes. But I mean, he's not awake at the time when this show's live right now, right? 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on Sundays. And so um what I'm thinking of doing is actually splitting up the show because the other thing is, is that um the show Sometimes the show is like two hours long. It, like here, here's a great example. I'll go to, um, I'll go to it's brandond.com slash hbar because that's where you can find out all the stuff to you need to know about the show. Um, and if I look at some of these past episodes, like if I go to let's say Apple Podcasts, right last week, hour and fifty eight minutes. The week before, two hour, 12 minutes. The week before, two hour, five minutes. The week before, two and a half hours. It's crazy. It's getting out of control. I mean, and if I go further and further back in time, the shows get a little shorter. 
right? And it's because there's so much to cover, but it's also because I have guests on the show now quite frequently um, and kind of didn't originally plan that, um, but here we are. And I want to have room to do that. So what I'm thinking is this, is what I'm thinking is I want to do the news and rumors show, right? And keep it news and rumors. This show, I don't think this show will be the show where there's guests because I th looking at the data too, some of the episodes that do really well are the ones where it's kind of just me and then randomly bringing people up or something. So I think I want to let this show be the kind of news and rumors and, and flow a little bit. And what I want to do for interviews, because it turns out, you know, that's something else people really love. And I didn't even think of that, but interviews, I have a lot of people who want to do interviews. I have a lot of people I want to interview. So I'm thinking of just making that a separate thing and not having a set time for that. So like, you know, for example, um, I might be like, Hey guys, I'm going live on spaces with, um, you know, probably next would be Matt from Dovu and it might be on a Tuesday. It might be on a Friday. It might be in the morning. It might be at night, who knows, but whatever works best for the guest, whatever feels good, um, just do it then. And the, the cool part is that's going to be done live. The recording will be on spaces and then every Sunday at the usual time, do the news and rumors show. And then I'll be able to put kind of both together. Do you know what I mean? And then when you go on Apple podcasts or Spotify or YouTube, You've got the big show, right? It could be a two or three hour show, but it's got the news and it's got the interview in it and you just put it on and you can, and, and that way I find sometimes too, like if I have a guest on this show, I end up kind of rushing the news and rumors portion. So I think I got to grow this thing. Um, the other thing too is, um, you know, uh, well, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Um, so what are we talking about today? Like what's going on? Um, and we're going to take a look at the mega thread where I list and summarize all the news for the week. Uh, also too, take a minute uh, if you uh, want to share the spaces, the more the merrier. Um, but what's going on this week? We're going to be talking about, um, I want to talk about governing council member predictions. That's one thing I want to talk about. It's been a long time, right? Since we've had a governing council member and it's, I think it's on the top of a lot of people's minds. You know what I mean? So we're going to talk about that. Let me know what you think the next governing council member is going to be. I've got a couple ideas. Um, and we also have some breadcrumbs around it too about somewhat a, a new potential governing council member. Um, we're going to talk about the test net. That's been crazy. DeFi, lots of conversation around that. Brady from Swirl shared some statistics. Um, there's an Australian CBDC pilot Um Rob Allen from the Hashgraph Association actually talked about this recently. So we'll, we'll chat about that. Um, Timeless has some updates. Uh, we also have a kind of, it's, it's, it's a series of breadcrumbs that kind of leads us to believe um, that Boeing might be doing a new Hedera use case called SkyGrid, but it's, it's a little flimsy, but it's interesting at the same time. Um, Talk about HBAR price a little bit. Uh, we got some updates, other updates from the ecosystem. There was like a wash trading controversy as well recently in the, in the Hedera NFT ecosystem. Spoiler alert, everything worked out okay. We're going to talk about it. Um, some other stuff, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff this week. There's a, it's a big time. And with that, 
Good evening from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. Good evening. My name is Brandon Davenport, a.k.a. it's Brandon D. It is Sunday, August 27th, and you're listening to Hashgraph News and Rumors, episode 89, Exponential Expectations, a weekly show where we cover the top stories related to Hedera, HBAR, and everything in between. Listen live on Spaces, that's on X. I dubbed it my script. I had the word Twitter in here a bunch of times. I've been calling this a Twitter Spaces, like as recently as last week. So that's how slow I am. You can listen live on Spaces every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other platforms to hear past episodes. Get all the info you need about the show at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. And for everyone listening live now, check out the News and Rumors mega thread pinned up to the top, up at the Jumbotron. We're going to dive into each story. The links are in there, so if you want to, you know, more info. Take a moment to share the spaces. I already told you that. Um, and if there's anything interesting people should know about, leave it in the little comments section. There's like a comment button at the bottom right. Um, let me know, especially governing council member predictions. Um, if we have time later, too, I'll bring some people up as well. It brings people up to the stage. So let me get through the news, and then we'll see uh, if anyone has anything to share. Um, and for anyone listening to the recording on those other platforms, leave a comment, a rating, it helps. Let me know what you're thinking. Um, sometimes too, some of the most interesting feedback about the show or thoughts on stories is like sometimes like on YouTube or I think, uh, Spotify has this ability too, where you can kind of leave comments on episodes. People will kind of, after there's like a day or two to like digest what's going on in the show. Sometimes there's like some really interesting insights people pull from it. I didn't even know it was in the show. So it's kind of cool. Um, and yeah, let's dive into it. Actually, um, there's a couple things to talk about. One thing was there was an interesting. I think there's so much that's happened. I want to just look at this real quick. Um, there's a Twitter user, zero um, x Salazar. Um, the zero x is kind of like the Ethereum address vibe and Web three, and just a great thread about stuff in general that's happened in kind of the crypto space. So I just wanted to like read off a couple of headlines just because it's kind of useful. Um, so it looks like, um, bah, 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 Robinhood accumulated 3 billion worth of Bitcoin in three months. There was that kind of mystery Bitcoin address. Um, so 118,000 Bitcoin, um, turns out to be Robinhood. PayPal's stablecoin. We talked about this too. Um, newsworthy because, you know, PayPal, big brand, big company, lots of users, stablecoin, very exciting, but it turned out the stablecoin was a pretty, you know, low quality product, let's say. Um, I think it was kind of a copy pasted contract, like solidity contract. So it's not being adopted very well. Um, yeah, I, I, people just aren't into it. Crypto, like retail folks just aren't into it. So um, JP Morgan also recently published um, some thoughts regarding Bitcoin and kind of signifying that they might think the bottom is in whatever that means. Uh, I mean, very often we'll hear from these large institutions, you know, that up is down and down is up. And it's what happens usually ends up being the opposite of what they say. Maybe that's what they intend. Who knows? But for what it's worth, JP Morgan is saying the dip has dipped. Um, what else is going on? Um, oh, there was um, the U.S. Treasury Department was proposing some new tax rules. Um, and also there were some new supposed laws going to be brought to centralized exchanges and decentralized exchanges 
um, to essentially require them to KYC you. So there's like a bunch of different things happening in, in that regard. Uh, what other interesting things here? Uh, oh, this is this is also too like um, crypto miners have been using Dropbox a lot, so they've ended their unlimited storage plan. Uh, BlackRock CEO Larry Fink um, sees crypto as a digital alternative to gold. This is a theme we're starting to see on Wall Street, right? We're starting to see a lot of attitudes change regarding crypto, and that's one thing that Mance, right, the co-founder of Hedera and Swirls Labs, um, Mance mentioned this. He's in an inter in a recent interview. He was asked, um, you know, what do you see the potential change in crypto being? Like we're we're in a bear. When do you see things turning around? Essentially, Mance says he doesn't see anything turning around for another twelve months at least, uh, which is I think in line with a lot of other folks. And he said, really, there's nothing that's going to happen before then that's going to cause things to change. But he says, there's one thing that could, and he says, that's Wall Street, right? So this is Mance, and he says, Wall Street is the entity or the catalyst that could um, change the trajectory of where things are right now. And to me, kind of makes sense, you know? Um, so that's an interesting insight. Those are just some headlines. It was, it was, a, it was a pretty useful tweet. Yeah. Apologies, I muted my mic there. I had to, uh, to blow my nose. Um, got a bit of a cold. Haven't had a cold in a while, so I uh, took some cold medication, right? Non-drowsy. Got to admit, I'm feeling very lucid, people. Charged up, right? I might, might not be at full power, but we're rocking and rolling. I want to talk next about... Um, well, maybe we'll wait for governing council member predictions. A few people are, have sent me some in. Again, if you have a governing council member prediction, I'll share with everybody. Um, hit that comment button in the bottom right or just tag me on Twitter or like whatever. Um, I got quite a list here. But first, I want to talk about something I think that was on a lot of people's minds, which was a situation involving NFTs on Hedera. And I mean, um, quick shout out to everybody in the NFT ecosystem on Hedera. That's where... I got, well, I mean, the show was technically the first thing I did in the ecosystem that you could call kind of like a project, I guess. But, um, you know, my, my, my NFT project, Pixel Rug, near and dear to my heart, lots of great plans for that. Um, and uh, that's where I got started. So the NFT ecosystem on Hedera, like many, you know, are experiencing a bear. Um, but on the outset, you know, it looks like the Hedera NFT ecosystem is just hurting. Um, it's, it's really hard, but, and I say this with a, with a, but is, you know, I talked about shows like NFT table talk, right. And the Hedera, again, this is, this is a show, right. For an arguably down and out tiny NFT ecosystem in web three, right. Already that yeah, every episode they've got like, like 75, a hundred, sometimes more listeners, like. And that's a super niche show. And behind the scenes, like I, um, I chair operations for the Hashgraph NFT working group. So there's stuff happening behind the scenes. Like there's a lot happening. And I think there's just a huge amount of loyalty and engagement and stuff. It's just, there isn't a lot of money flowing around, but there's still creativity. There's still drops happening. Um, and I think that 
although the the Hedera NFT community is tiny, it, it is mighty. Um, but we still have to be careful. It is a little delicate. And recently, um, StockTwits um, NFT, which is a Twitter account, uh, if you don't follow them, they basically do the kind of like Billboard 100 charts of networks for NFTs, right? So, you know, top 10 songs in the country and um, StockTwits is basically, you know, what are the breakthrough ecosystems for NFTs based off volume, right? And Hedera is like tiny, right? Sometimes it's like 15 grand or like, you know, 30 grand or something. But um, other networks are also down, right? So the volume is low in general. So Hedera is like making some moves. Like we're, we're jumping up the spots. We're getting some recognition. It's, it's you know, it's, it's a good vibe. I mean, it's a tiny amount of money compared to millions of dollars on Ethereum. But hey, we're a player. We're in the mix. Um, and there's a situation where on, uh, you know, an NFT marketplace, there was this, you know, wash trading, which is essentially, um, you know, someone selling NFTs back and forth to themselves with separate wallets, inflating the price. And I think a component of it was the marketplace pro provides you points and stuff for those trades and the NFTs being traded didn't have royalties. So folks familiar with Hedera, it's like, okay, if you, if there's no royalties being paid on an NFT, then you're just basically straight wash trading. So, and getting rewards and stuff. So obviously someone's having some fun, they're goofing around. But the thing was, is that um, upon be, you know being notified of that, StockTwits NFT was kind of like, okay, well, we're not going to report on Hedera anymore if, if there's just so much wash trading activity. Because I mean, you could argue that was the majority of the volume for that day. There was a, and I mean, long story short, everything worked out. It's great. Uh, Marketplace responded in an incredible way. Shout out to Centex. And, you know, I think that everything was dealt with. This is just, you know, learning curves. And the big scheme of things is like not that big of a deal. It was a situation that lasted probably 12 hours um, and it was tiny. But it's a, it's a lesson that, you know, it, it is still kind of a delicate situation across the ecosystem and for Hedera as a whole, right? I mean, our market cap's pretty low. The coin price is pretty low. Staking rewards just got dropped. Um, there's all sorts of different things that have changed and it's it's put a heavy burden on, you know, what you call retail, you know, or NFT collectors or builders, right? Or, or these small teams, these startups, like the burden keeps growing in this market. And I think that we just have to recognize that like, man, it, it, it isn't, it isn't a situation anymore where we can really like go bananas anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a little more serious now. Like, and that's, that's worth being said. Um, and that's the sentiment I get in a lot of different areas, right? I talk to a lot of people in the ecosystem. Um, and I think as, you know, as, as funny and cool and goofy as the situation is with the wash trading stuff and it worked out fine and it's not that big of a deal, I see situations like that happening in all different places in the ecosystem. And it's like, it is worth highlighting that, you know, it, we got to take things a little more, a little seriously right now because it's, you know, it, there's, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of weight on community members um, right now. So, I mean... It is Web3. People are going to do what they're going to do. And I think it's hilarious. But um, at the end of the day, it's just it's moments like that that make me kind of go, Oof, okay, um, got to be a little careful here. We're right down to the bone right now. To be, you know, to be honest, it's like 
There's a reason that why in the recent Governing Council meeting minutes, right, that was published, Brett McDowell, who is the chair of the Hedera board, um, wanted to stress to the council members, right, and this is the meeting minutes you can read, I believe they're from May or June, talking about the upcoming uh, in-person Governing Council meeting they're going to have. He said to all Governing Council members to expect modest accommodations, right? Like, everybody's tightening their belts right now. Um and when you have, when you're right down to the bone like this, it doesn't take much to throw things off the axis, right? And it would, and it would suck to um, lose some exposure for Hedera. So don't want to drag on to it too much, but I just wanted to highlight A, um, just I think dealt with really well. Um, and uh, shout out to everyone for kind of working it out. And I think, it, I think it all worked out for the best, but I think it is worth a reminder that, uh, you know, Things are things are a little rocky right now, and we got to be careful. And I think that uh, you know, Sentex did a good job, given that sentiment. You know, taking it seriously, and uh, I think that all in all, good learning experience. Um, now, Brady from Swirls Lab sent out a tweet recently that was very very interesting. Um, it, it had some data in regards to basically, um. Uh, developer activity and essentially trending that over the history of the network. And you had all the major networks there, right? And Hedera, as where we're at today, is trending above Solana and Avalanche. And the key insight there is what Brady mentioned is um, both of those networks really invest heavily, right, in um, their developer outreach activity, you know, he, he mentioned specifically, you know, Solana and Avalanche branded, um, events, right? So Hedera goes to these different events and has a booth. Solana will have like their own whole event dedicated to them. So he basically says, um, well, actually Zepsi says this on the H bar bull show. He says, um, had generally the sentiment is Hedera is doing more with less and, you know, I think that, yeah, that's true. And the numbers look good. I think it would be cool if there was a little more resources put behind that stuff. Because I mean, to be fair, if something's working really well, like why not do more of it? You know what I mean? And I think that anyone could agree that, um, you know, the the governing council in Hedera could be doing certain things more in line with, the, with, you know, the builders that are doing a lot of things that might be small, but are often... Um, championed by, you know, the Hedera and the foundation of related organizations as successes, right? So I think that, hey, if that's working and you guys are doing uh, more with less, like maybe do more with just a little bit more, you know? So um, I think that that was really cool. Uh, some I, I appreciate Brady putting out those numbers and statistics because he's always kind of surfacing the KPIs, I think, that really matter. Um, and the other thing too that... Uh, that, that Zepsi brought up on the HBAR Bull show as well. And for folks that don't know Zepsi, you know, he uh, works with the HBAR Foundation, legendary community member, um, is on the sh and he's on the uh, weekly HBAR Bull show. But he mentioned two things in relation to this as well, which was um, just the added edge that Hedera leverages traditional development languages. Now, I know that there are struggles with, um, you know, parity with the EVM, having that equivalence and just being able to port over um, Solidity smart contracts and stuff and plug and play. So there are issues there. 
but Hedera does have this thing where it interacts more closely with other languages like, um, you know, JavaScript and all these different types of things and Python and everything. So it's like you can, there, there's that added edge. So that's a unique thing. And also too, we talked about this last week, but the, the Bharat blockchain Yatra, which is the Indian kind of blockchain tour um, that is aiming to onboard 50,000 developers, you know, you're going to start to have, um, you know, like an influx of developers as part of this kind of initiative. So, you know, in the context of, uh, you know, of Brady breaking down some of that information, it was cool on the HBAR bullshit to kind of see, um, you know, the take from Zepsi, um, and kind of looking at it from that frame of reference of like, okay, sure. We don't have the, the true EVM equivalents, but there are those other languages we can use. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to bring up, uh, King Solomon. I just saw you tune in. You've been, you've been doing some awesome spaces recently. I was, um, I was mentioning earlier in the show about the, uh, the fact that we've been waiting on a governing council member. I wanted to speculate a little bit on the show later, but, uh, I want to see how you're, how are you doing and what's new? And I was curious to see if, uh, you've, you've been, uh, pondering new governing council members for Adara. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I, uh, I'm interviewing Mance tomorrow. Uh, so I was going to ask, and I'm probably still going to ask, I was told that I shouldn't ask, uh, ask with, uh, with, uh, so normally like whenever you interview somebody like Mance or Lehman or anybody else, you have to kind of free, uh, uh, front run questions and stuff like that and do the, do the due, due diligence at the front end. I think I can still ask it <laughs> Dude, you're in totally, the right way. You, 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 that's the thing is of anybody, I think you'd be able to do it. Like you'd be able to get, get the line of questioning there and kind of be like, eh. cause do you want to know something I've been noticing with Mance is he's been, he's been kind of holding himself back and I'll see him in the interviews. Like I'm not going to go any further. Like he's, he feels like there's a lot that he wants to talk about. Well, yeah. And I mean, um, even the, the, like, look, I mean, I, Drop being in, uh, integrated into FedNow is fantastic. Uh, it's great. I think there's reasons for that. But at the end of the day, like most conversations that most people look at are just like solely price speculation things. Like FedNow has multitudes of service providers. They don't have a lot of service providers dealing directly in crypto. Um, Drop certainly, uh, you know, one of those with with the micropayments aspect. But from the governing council standpoint, I mean, look, I, I think it's fantastic that Hedera has amazing governing governing council members. Like, I want to get into the weeds with things like oracles and DeFi and how to expand and start competing with networks like Solana and Ethereum. I mean, this has been a concern that we've all seen within a lot of the Hedera community for quite some time. Where like, let's start asking some poignant questions about about how we're going to start driving liquidity onto the network. And it may that doesn't come in price speculation, but it's just like. I'm going to be, I, I guess, tackling a wide breadth, uh, a breadth of topics like tomorrow, at least in my opinion. So hopefully I can do some due diligence and make it a good space. So I love that. And, and, and specifically on that point of DeFi, that's been a big conversation about, you know, building liquidity. And we're seeing like a topic a lot of people had, too, is like we need more use cases that leverage kind of that USDC that's meant on Hedera referred to as, you know, HUSDC and um, all these different types of things. And then also people also talk about kind of the accessibility of Hedera, how many trading pairs are out there and how many, you know, centralized exchanges Hedera is on and stuff. Like, do you also kind of see that um, pain point a little bit? Like I have people ask me sometimes, like, how do we get HBAR stuff like that? Is that, 
that used to be a really huge pain point. Is that still kind of like a pain point for people? Do you think? Sure. I mean, um, I, 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 if I were to say no, then I would be lying. I mean, look at how many trading pairs Ethereum has. Look at how many trading pairs Bitcoin has. Um, look at, you know, so one of the big reasons you think about why Bitcoin and Ethereum are where they are, it's not just the utility, like, well, Bitcoin utility. I mean, we could, we could argue all day long. Ethereum utility, I mean, EVM and stuff like that, I don't know if you can really argue with at this point in time, but if you look at the amount of trading pairs versus the, the market cap position of these assets, um, I, shit, I was in a conversation like maybe a month ago with somebody from the Hedera ecosystem development community. And, you know, it's like, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I'm not going to speak on it. But I know that if I had to guess, it's pro there's probably a hundred times more trading pairs for Ethereum. And maybe it's even more than that um, on different exchanges than there are for Hedera right now. And it's like, well, why? And how do we expand that? Like, the foundation what's the foundation's initial goal right is to build adoption and leverage and usage of the of the network in and of itself right um part of that probably does deal in some centralized exchanges so you know i think coinbase was a was a big win um but how do you get how do you get more and how do you continue to get more so yeah that's a big it's a problem i mean yeah. it's it's 100 percent a problem it's a problem it, it is like the it, and and yeah and then like the i'm interested too like now, now that we've had some time with the kind of adjustments to the native staking rewards and stuff i'm noticing that people that aren't necessarily in like the hedera bubble are kind of just realizing like oh my staking rewards went down and all those different types of things and i mean we've talked about um, the, 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 the decision and the, and the thinking behind that from the governing council, I mean, it makes sense. You know, you, you need to learn, you know, worry about the longevity and feasibility and revenue and all those kinds of things. But like, what are, like, I, I never, I don't think I got to ask you about your thoughts on the native staking stuff with Hedera and kind of the, the ripple effects of that. I, like, just because you have a view of other networks and other networks, have their own staking me mechanisms. I think this was weird. Like I think Hedera quoted the kind of average staking return on other networks at like 1.4 or 2% or something, which I thought was really low. But I was just curious, like your thoughts on the native staking thing with Hedera and then kind of in the in the broader crypto space, like is, has Hedera really dropped like below a lot of other yields on other networks, do you think? I mean, I think this, the the question is like multifaceted, right? So, like, give me the give me the numbers again, real quick, uh, just so I know what they are, because I know they dropped pretty substantially, and I'm gonna yeah. post it on the side. Yeah, yeah, it used to be fixed at six point five percent, and now what they've done is they've changed the algorithm so it can go to a maximum of two point five percent, and I think uh, they expect it to average it out at one point four percent or something. Yeah. So, I mean, he, here's here's where my thought process lies within staking uh across the board kind of as it's like you know and even within hedera it's like okay if you're giving 6.5 percent uh understanding where we're at in the market right now understanding that there's so many things to tackle with hedera i mean from a technology uh, from a technology standpoint i don't know how many other networks can compete but if you don't have those other networks or network participants realizing that what Hedera represents and they're not here yet, why give those those rewards away? 
um it's like they're just they're it's almost like they're they're like they're like arbitrary rewards given to people that might not even be building on the yeah. network they're just network participants which is which is fine but there's inputs and outputs across any staking mechanisms and all of crypto and you know if your inputs are larger than your you know larger than your outputs of value like it, how at the end of the day like most most networks with staking right you have to lock your shit up for like three months six months a year two years whatever it is and at the end of that lockup period when those rewards become unlocked that network has has better have have sustained itself up to a point of value much higher to to dictate out paying out those rewards in a way that the network in and of itself isn't going to be uh, you know detrimented based on paying out those rewards so it's like minimizing rewards for staking I have zero issue with. I mean, if you didn't, if if from an from a purely investment standpoint, if you don't understand what Hedera or HBAR represent the network or the uh, unit of account based asset, and you haven't been looking into it or buying like at three cents or four cents or whatever else it is, that's really not my problem. And I don't think that it's the governing councils or or whoever votes upon its problem either. You have your opportunity to stake and get rewards. I think that it comes down to pure like economics and at the end of the day, like we need to drive more more developers and more traffic here. And that's going to come through the EVM equivalency things um, that are being built out um, with the JSON RPC announcement that just came out, Brandon, that I'm sure you talked about in one of these spaces like two weeks ago about MetaMask functionality coming down the pike, yeah. you know, things like that. So that's what we need to have here. And paying people you know, more yield uh, just for being here. I really, I, I don't agree with that. And I probably would have voted to, to, to minimize the rewards as well if I had that power. So, yeah, that's crazy, man. Um, and I think I'm so happy I asked you that because you kind of broke it down, I think in the best way, which is it's really deciding like if you're going to, if you're going to invest in a network, specifically Hedera, it's like, are you using HBAR as a vehicle to invest in that network, right? And hold that kind of fuel, the network. Are you just kind of buying another crypto? You know, it's like, what, what's your mentality with that? Um, and both are fine, right? This decision, if your investment style and strategy with, with H bar is just like buy H bar and you know, that's the thing. And you, you're not really worried about the network or, or any of those types of things. It's like, well, this is maybe an indicator that like, you know, you look for yields elsewhere that are better, but like, if you're invested in the network, as you've laid out, yeah, this could be looked at as a positive to the investment and kind of, okay, the, the, these different things are being dispersed elsewhere. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. It's like it's just different decision based off of investing style. Um, well, what's what's crazy is, you know, and I, I have to hop in like two minutes and then your spaces are the best, you know, some of the best in, in all of the Hedera community, let alone all of crypto because you do these weekly. They're fantastic. What's kind of crazy for me to look at is the fact that, like, if you look at from a wallet purview standpoint, what Hashpack has been able to build, we probably have a lot of people even the, in the audience right now that have multiple different wallets, multiple different ecosystems. I don't know anybody that would necessarily argue with the user experience within Hashpack pretty much being on top of almost anything else you deal with in crypto from a wallet standpoint. Um, and then even just sitting back and watching some of the stuff that Saucer Swap has, has been doing recently is is very interesting. I think some of the marketplaces for NFTs have been trying to figure out their positioning. I know that um, there was some stuff around um, Centex yesterday with some arbitrage stuff. Yeah, I was talking else, about which, that. Yeah, 
and, and I, mean, I mean, these marketplaces are going to go through that. But look, and, you know, I love artists and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like, you know, pictures of rowboats um, with moonbeams and, and unicorns, uh, you know, can only take us so far. So what are these NFT marketplaces going to transform into over time? That's not negating anything with these artists. I, I freaking love every artist out here. I think any artist that is empowering themselves with the power of Web3 should be applauded and should be able to operate on a marketplace that makes sense. But at the end of the day, these NFT marketplaces aren't just going to be about art three, five, six, seven years down the line. So I'm interested in watching all these things. Um, Hashpack, I think, has done has done. Well, Brandon, did you see this? I don't even know if you saw this, dude. When uh, Shinhan... Siam commercial yep, I watched the and, demo and right it after they showed the kind of institutional wallets. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's it's had I was like, it's that it was literally me as that Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like snapping my fingers and pointing at the screen. I was like, it's him. Yeah, so I mean it's it's really about paying attention to the small details of what's going on from the from the legacy institutions because the big pool of Hedera that that exists right now that we've seen consistently over time is that Look, I think the network is is fairly decentralized enough right now. I'm excited for it to decentralize further. You talk about institutional grade adoption, things like that. I mean, I think it's there to an extent. I think one thing that we do overestimate is that a lot of these like governing board members probably do have proof of concepts with other ecosystems and networks, which is fine. They can. So then at the end of the day, you have to consider like what what types of small tidbits of information can we get that's being leveraged off of the back of the retail community because at the end of the day, these institutions aren't innovators to the, to the most extent, like especially banking, things like that. When you see something like uh, Hashpack being leveraged between like the largest bank in South Korea and multiple entities, that's something to pay attention to and be like, holy shit, there's something actually going on here. Um, the concern that I have is that like where does, where does the buck stop because can retail innovate faster than them? with the money that, that that is behind them. And I think it's an interesting question to ask. So like, look, I think, let me wrap it up because I got to hop and I, I know I'm rambling. Um, all of the innovations that we've seen within Hedera, I think the Fed now integrations with the micropayment aspects, with drop, everything else we've seen should not be surprising to anybody because all of these legacy institutions are looking to learn. I do think there's pain points in Hedera, just like there's pain points in every other ecosystem. But I think it's up to us to try to branch out into these other ecosystems to show what is on Hedera, to get developers over here, to get community members over here. And as the network decentralizes further, as Oracle start becoming mainstream within Hedera, things like that, as EVM equivalency starts really taking precedence, I think that the team behind Hedera is doing things the right way. Um, and I'm just looking forward to like, you've been here, dude, as long, you know, as long as I have, Brandon where we were at a year ago or even two years ago it's much different now and i'm expecting for us to be much different a year or, or two down the line and i think it's really exciting let's just hang on for the ride dude 100 percent. real quick before you go so you're interviewing mance uh tomorrow uh yep yep um i am interviewing mance tomorrow yeah, i think i have it on my calendar he's interviewing mance tomorrow at 4 p.m eastern folks if you guys have any questions ask me i'm going to so I will tell you just real quick the questions that I have so you guys know them. Um, recent milestones and achievements from Hedera slash Swirls, uh, you know, mainnet anniversary, Australian CBDC pilot as an actual participant, Fed now and drop, roll within Swirls Labs for Mance because that's always interesting as well. Aberdeen and uh, Arcax, the 
15 billion lux sterling money market fund uh, being tokenized, being a drop in the bucket, potentially future governing board members, uh, standard cha- oh, fuck. I'll, I could ramble all day. I got a lot of questions. If you guys have questions that you think I might've missed, drop them in Brandon's chat. I will look at, at this Twitter space tomorrow before the spaces. And um, if I can add something in, I will. So uh, appreciate you, man. Yeah. Leave your questions for King Solomon in the, in the chat there. We'll check it out. All right. Cheers, buddy. All right. Later, man. All right. So, um, let's dive into it here. We were talking about governing council members. Um, I want to share kind of what I think is the, I don't know. It's, I, I, I went back over, I'd say the last year and a half or so. Um, and I was thinking and looking about what are, what are all the different potential companies or organizations or, or what have you that, that have been rumored to join the governing council um, and kind of maybe some reasons why they've been rumored to join them. Um, and I filtered out like there's that you there's probably a bigger list, but any of the ones that just were kind of way out there, I didn't want to bring up. Um, and it's it's time to talk about this stuff. I mean, it's been a while since a governing council member. Um, and I think it's worth also noting that intentionally they kind of slowed down how they would bring governing council members on. Um Recently on an interview, Mance Harmon, he was asked specifically like um, in regards to like hard moments or difficult things to do on on kind of the journey of Hedera. One of them was um, Manson Lehman kind of leaving Hedera and going to Swirls Labs because he mentioned that they were really kind of critical about what governing council members they would bring on. And he mentioned they'd be getting a lot of pressure from people like, you have to bring this company on. Um, And they'd have to say no because of um, kind of really high thresholds that they had in place. And they were worried that when the governing council kind of took over, right, when they formulated that membership committee, that it would be too lenient or, you know, something like that. And what Mance said is actually they went the opposite direction. They went a lot more rigid and um, maybe not rigid is the right word, but they set a higher bar. They, they raised the bar to entry even higher. Um, and also too, I think on an interview at the beginning of this year, Brett McDowell, who's the chair of the, of the Hedera board, he mentioned that they actually don't want to fill it up too quick um, because often he says with organizations like that, you'll have to update um, the bylaws because you'll want to add more seats if you fill it up too quickly. Um, so what he says is the the governing council is going to always be above a certain amount, but may fluctuate here and there as, you know, terms end and stuff like that. So we kind of have that dynamic to it where the governing, and, and I mean, a lot of people, like even including, you know, Shane, CEO of the of the HBAR Foundation, have all talked about this topic in, in regards to like how governing council members are added and the fact that they've set the bar way higher and I think they made it pretty clear that they don't want to add anybody who isn't currently building a use case on Hedera. They can be much more picky. They have a lot of leverage now, right? So the other thing is um, recent, kind of recently, I think two, two and a half months ago, um, I interviewed uh, Sham, who is also on the um, Hedera Governing Council board, right? So he's a board member on Hedera. Um, privy to a lot of information. I actually interviewed him with King Solomon, um, I think like in May or June or something. Um, and 
in a response to a question that I asked him, he specifically said, um, the 29 or likely to be 30 organizations that we're talking about here are key to the trust aspect, which is typically lacking in other protocols. So right there, um, you know, a, a guy right at the top of this organization is kind of, it's like, it's going to be 30. We're going to have someone new very soon. Um, and we've been seeing a lot of different connections. We also like have a lot of rumored members, um, that got really close, um, that are from years ago. And as we know, things take time. So it might be worth looking back at some of these predictions that are a little older because some of these processes might take years, right? It might take years for a governing council member to become a part of the organization. Um, and the other thing too to note is on a recent uh, meeting minutes for a governing council meeting, um, I think in the June minutes, it was mentioned that the council actually went into an executive session to discuss a potential governing council member and whether they would be approved. And in the following meeting minutes, I believe that was for July last month, it was outlined that during that meeting and when the governing council met for, for that meeting, it was determined that they were not going to be accepted to the governing council. And it appeared as though kind of some possible concessions were brought up or some um, special conditions and those, and it was kind of determined like, we're not going to do those special conditions. So it's, there's been lots of speculation about who that could have been. Um, it's been known for a while that a lot of people get denied for the governing council. I mean, Matt said that recently, like they deny a lot of people, um, but we've never really seen an actual public like, um, uh, representation of that decision. Like we've never seen that actually in a meeting minutes before of an application and a denial. So that was really interesting. So I wonder who it was, who knows who it could have been, but that's what people have been talking about. But who am I thinking about, right? Who have I seen mentioned with some decent breadcrumbs or connections um, or, uh, you know, tie-ins to Hedera? that are probably already building use cases or are partnered with existing use cases. Um, and also just ones that people mention in the community. And the first that's the most obvious is Microsoft. People have talked about Microsoft quite a bit. And I should mention too, specifically a lot of people are mentioning um, maybe a Chinese company. Um, you know, we, we do have kind of a global governing council on Hedera. Um, but folks are mentioning that that's something that, you know, might be unexpected. And it's also worth mentioning too, that m like most of these governing council members that were added, w nobody ever thought would be on the governing council. Nobody ever mentioned, especially like Ab Aberdeen or Kofra or um, DBS or some of those were just like out of left field. No one had any idea. So it's also worth mentioning that. Um, it's also worth mentioning that, you know, most likely if this is a hundred year organization or network, most companies will cycle through the governing council. Um, so most of these quote unquote predictions that we have, you know, the majority of these will one day most likely end up on the governing council. My question is who's next? Like we brought up Microsoft, right? So they've got many connections. One of the most obvious ones is with um, MTech, right? Which is the CBDC um, 
uh, <laughs> zero uh, just commented on the spaces, mentioning that they were not, or that they were the ones that were denied. Um, yeah, they were not the ones that were denied the governing council seat. Okay, ruled out. We narrowed it down by one. Um, but yeah, Microsoft, you know, is partnered with MTech. MTech is the CBDC innovation kit that they launched. They have the sandbox environment. They're working with, you know, the U.S. Federal Reserve, the Bahamas, um, you know, all sorts of different central banks and governments to help some of these stable coin and CBDC use cases start their development journey, help these proof of concepts. Um, and Microsoft's partnered with them, right? Microsoft has actually partnered with a lot of Hedera projects. Um, they're also kind of in the ESG space and they were being cited um, as potentially a, uh, 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 a company building a, an ESG type use case or, or leveraging um, Hedera as um, a network for an ESG use case, which is interesting. They're also in the FIDO Alliance, right? The FIDO Alliance is that kind of identity. Um, it's kind of zero knowledge. It's kind of ZKP stuff, but it's it's what Apple gave at the recent keynote, right? Your accounts with no passwords. Um, and it's a more secure logins. It's it's basically the, the alliance formed to develop the technologies required as we move into a passwordless kind of future, right? Where we don't use passwords. So... Um, Hedera is a part of that. Microsoft's a part of that. A lot of companies are a part of that. Um, also they're, they're leveraging and involved with the Atma IO project, also Dovu. So Microsoft is, th there's no way that Microsoft hasn't crossed paths with Hedera or ha doesn't have knowledge of Hedera. And a lot of what Microsoft is doing is very aligned with, um, you know, Hedera. And, and the other thing too, is when you look at major tech companies, right? Um, some of them have big kind of blockchain web three initiatives, right? Like IBM, but there are other com notable companies, right? Like Apple and Microsoft that don't necessarily have like strong web three blockchain type angles to their company. Um, but then you look at maybe, you know, another company like Facebook or, or sorry, uh, Meta, right? That had their Libra token that kind of failed. And then you also look at Google, right? That has all these different Web3 um, use cases also on the governing council, right? So Microsoft, it just, it's one of those companies that's so connected in the ecosystem, so many breadcrumbs out there, um, but they're not on the governing council. It seems, it seems like it's uh, meant to be. And then we also look at, I kind of clump Walmart and Amazon together because this goes way back to an interview that Lehman gave. I don't even know if this is relevant anymore. I don't even know if this is happening anymore. Lehman mentioned that a Fortune 10 company um, was going to be building a use case on Hedera, right? So a Fortune 10 company obviously narrows it down to 10 companies. And it's it is, you know, um, Walmart, Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, like, you know, those, those uh, the top 10 companies in the Fortune Index. So Walmart and Amazon were rumored just because both of those use cases are tied to the coupon stuff, right? The 8112 coupon standards that we talk about quite a bit on the show. Um, both uh, Walmart and Amazon, you know, will be using that standard. And, the, and uh, recently, the Coupon Bureau, the uh, organization behind the new standard, has rumored that, you know, major retailer, or not rumored, sorry, but outlined that major retailers starting 
quarter one and quarter two next year, we'll we'll start to onboard. And they specifically mentioned um, a global e-commerce leader uh, will be instating the coupon standard as well. So starting to leverage Hedera for those. Um, and, you know, Amazon is number one in your mind. But Walmart's actually huge in the e-commerce space. They're also Fortune 10. And Walmart has been mentioned a few times in, in a few um, use cases. Also, too, they, they were mentioned again in a Coupon Bureau webinar uh, where they were talking about, I think it was something really weird. It was like Walmart had developed some kind of like VR shopping experience or something. I don't know. It was one of those things where it was kind of weird talking about the new coupon standard um, still. And of course, you know, Amazon, like thinking of, if you think about Amazon, Amazon is one of those companies that you have so many Ethereum um, and Bitcoin validators and nodes and operators and, and, and other you know networks have so many different validators and nodes hosted on Amazon servers. Like Amazon is the you know blockchain company. Their infrastructure powers so much of everything. Um, you could look at them similarly to, you know, like a Dell Technologies that joined the governing council, right? Dell, Dell's hardware is what kind of most of the internet flows through. If you look at IBM, right? IBM's mainframes are what a lot of the world's finances flow through. So you look at Amazon, it's like, there's a heavy hitter there. They do have that connection and it seems like an obvious one, but a lot of the one thing I do notice is a lot of predictions for the governing council members for American companies, right? Because American companies are generally the most visible. This is a global council. What's the likelihood that it's even a governing council member in this list that joins the governing council? I, to be honest, I think it's pretty low. I think it's going to be a, a member um, not from the U.S. But um, the other thing too that I'm that I'm waiting on as a you know as governing council members is one of the big four accounting firms. This has been brought up a few times, right? So you got Deloitte, um, you've got Ernst and Young, you've got PwC, you've got uh, KPMG. Two of those actually have um, connections to Hedera, right? Deloitte um, is already listed as a Hedera systems integrator, right, on the Hedera website, Hedera.com, right? Deloitte is on there as a systems integrator, so. That's connection enough. Pretty clear there's a relationship there. Are they building a use case? Um, also, too, KPMG was, remember, they were part of um, the Upside Co-op, um, published that white paper about um, how the, the, co -op, the legal co-op structure for a cooperative can be a gateway for DAOs and shared ownership in a community. So that white paper was published in partnership with KPMG. So again, with that use case built on top of Hedera, clearly KPMG has knowledge of, you know, Hedera and stuff like that. So two of the big four law firm or the uh, accounting firms, um, you know, connections right there. So that's interesting. And I see those two in, in particular brought up a couple of times. Um, John Wingate from Bank Social um, mentioned them as a potential governing council member. Oracle. Oracle is another one of those institutional enterprises out there that, again, powers a lot of the internet um, and a juggernaut, right? That Oracle's been around forever. Um, and I think that in John Wingate mentioned Oracle when he was mentioning a few companies, he was like, you know, we have great governing council members like Google, IBM, Boeing, Oracle. 
he mentioned Oracle lumped into naming a bunch of things. This was a while ago. Um, to be honest, I think it was a slip of the tongue. I don't, I don't know if there's any reasoning behind it. I don't know how many people outside of Hedera Swirls or the membership committee knows the pipeline of potential governing council members. I don't think a CEO of a use case would be privy to that, but that's often cited as the Oracle connection. Other than just, you know, those use cases that Oracle has, you know, being closely aligned with what, you know, could be on Hedera. Um, recently, um, I got to be honest, I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm not familiar with uh, with this company, but they are a uh, juggernaut in supply chain. Um, Maersk, Maersk, um, M-A-E-R-S-K. Um, yeah, they've got a really interesting situation where um, they've published a video talking about kind of blockchain type use cases. And again, this is supply chain, right? I think, um, yeah, they're, so they're a shipping logistics company uh, founded in um, 1904. So it's the same kind of, it's like it's like Kofra vibes, right? Um, Kofra is like the governing council member that like has a 150-year-old company. But um, this shipping company published a video on their Twitter. It's using a similar piece of footage as in the official Hedera video. So either they're just happen to be using the same stock footage um, or they're, you know, rumored to be together. That's the most recent thing, but there has been mentions of them in the past. And the other element to this is the fact that, um, IBM's, uh, blockchain offering, I think it's called, write this down here. There was an IBM blockchain. It was similar to the MasterCard stuff, um, where MasterCard Providence, Sunset, and then FSCO, right? The the big use case we always talk about on the show, fresh supply, migrated off of MasterCard Providence when that got sunset. IBM had a similar um, private ledger product that uh, was focused around, similar to MasterCard Providence that was focused around supply chain stuff that this shipping company was using. Um, and that got sunset. So there are these kinds of connections that they have with Hedera. Is this a, is this a similar situation where we're going to start to see another supply chain use case migrate from a network that was discontinued to Hedera? And Rob Allen kind of articulated this really well. Um, he mentioned, I think I talked about this last episode, where he mentioned that, and again, Rob Allen is um, at the Hashgraph Association, the Swiss kind of um, accelerator fund. Um, Rob Allen mentioned in particular that when you look at these private permissioned, um, ledgers, um, initially that was seen as the winning strategy for enterprise. And we know this because Swirls, right, had their hash graph. So Swirls had a private ledger product that they were competing with in the marketplace with, you know, IBM and MasterCard. And so Swirls had the superior, um, you know, algorithm hash graph. This was their product. They were marketing it to enterprises and private companies. They still do, um, but they decided to do a public open network, Hedera, and that was against their original vision. And it turns out that was a better strategy. It turns out that you actually need that foundation of a public governed network for a lot of these large supply chain use cases to work properly because it turns out supply chains have to talk back and forth with each other and they have to 
um, do a lot of communication. So it's helpful when everything's on one network. And so could this shipping company, again, I'm going to butcher the pronouncing, Maersk, um, M-A-E-R-S-K, um, are they going to do the same move that Fresh Supply Company did? Hop over to Hedera after their existing network was discontinued, maybe. Um, another possibility was Sony. And Sony was an interesting one. I think recent, there's that new music blockchain um, that a lot of folks are, are looking at that the industry is kind of spearheading. Um, I think Sony recently is announced they were doing something with that blockchain. I can't remember the name of it at the top of my head, but um, very good product, very good network built as, uh, you know, uh, built around music. Um, so they're, they're part of that, but I think it must've been months ago, maybe even earlier this year, um, Hedera followed the Sony Twitter account and, you know, the Hedera Twitter account only follows governing council members. Right. And the only time Hedera follows a new account is when they kind of do one of these highly coordinated governing council member announcements. Um, and the, you know, Hedera followed Sony. Um, and so it was kind of wondered like, oh, did, you know, that did, you know, someone, you know, pull the trigger too early, something, no news actually came out and Hedera did unfollow Sony shortly after, but it was kind of like, okay, um, you know, Sony would be able to obviously leverage Hedera to, you know, high degree. Who knows if they're working on a use case. It's clear now that they're interested in blockchain, but, um, yeah, clearly a connection there. Uh, I don't, I, I really don't think that someone using the Hedera Twitter account accidentally followed somebody, highly unlikely, but nonetheless, Sony, lots of people still bringing up Sony. Um, Hyundai, of course, I mean, Hyundai has one of the most high profile use cases on Hedera right now is one of the leading automakers, um, you know, with again, another supply chain use case kind of within the ESG wheelhouse, you know, again, fits the criteria, right? These are all companies that kind of fit the criteria, fit the mold of who the governing council is targeting um, as new members. Now we get into a little bit of a weird zone. One that seems highly unlikely, but is really aligned so well for building a use case on Hedera and has um, high-level executives at their company on LinkedIn talking about Hedera and HBAR a lot is ExxonMobil, the oil company. Um, and ExxonMobil currently is, is doing pilot projects for, again, kind of supply chain um, carbon offset ESG use cases to um, obviously help their companies transition into new economies where oil and these different types of things are going to have to change as products, be used less over time, uh, pivot into new industries and verticals. And if you look at um, having a diversified governing council, I mean, having an oil company on the governing council seems kind of wild and is worth mentioning again. Uh, High-level folks at Exxon, you know, you could just search up, like, go on, you know, the, the Hedera subreddit, go on Twitter. You know, if you search up Hedera Exxon, it's like um, there's, you know, some folks at that company on LinkedIn talking about Hedera. There's connections here and there. And they're very public about those kind of use cases they're working on. So, um, again, 
another company building use cases um, at a, on a large scale, kind of aligned with, a, you know, with using HCS, right, as a kind of a notary public service. Um, so big stuff. Um, also mentioned is Corda. Um, also a kind of private permission ledger product um, that's used a lot, mentioned a lot alongside, um, you know, institutional government-backed CBDC, you know, uh, use cases like that. It's not a public network. It doesn't have a token you can buy, nothing you can invest in, but a huge piece of core infrastructure when it comes to private permission ledgers. Um, so governing council member, I've seen them mentioned a couple times. I don't think that they're going to become a governing council member anytime soon, but I've seen them mentioned a couple times. So it's worth mentioning. Another that's mentioned quite a bit is Apple. I think that's insane. Um, I don't think Apple's going to be a governing council member anytime soon. Um, I have to say, I think that Apple's missing the boat on web three in general. Um, I actually did a Twitter post about this recently. I had um, the CEO of Galaxy, Solo Cisse, on the show recently. And I asked him, over the journey of Galaxy, developing it, what was kind of the most important game-changing decision that you guys made? And I also kind of asked him, what was the biggest mistake you guys made? And he mentioned that there was something that was kind of both. He said, we built an iOS app, a native you know, app for Apple phones and Android and then what they did was they got rid of those this year and they moved to a PWA. And that's just kind of a web app that runs in your browser. And he said that was the best decision they ever made. And that was wild to me because if you were to ask Mark Zuckerberg um, the same question, right? What was the most important decision that you made creating your company? He probably would say creating the iOS app and getting on, on iPhones in the app store. Um, the app store at one time was like the thing that created the companies now out there that are massive, um, is due to kind of that app store and, and the user experience that those apps provided early on, on your phone. It was just mind blowing. You couldn't get those experiences in web browser. So the value that Apple brought was so huge. It was worth that 30% cut for purchases in the app, um, now, I don't know if that 30% matters that much anymore. The browser has become more powerful. You have entire social networks running inside of a browser. Apple's dropping the ball. Also, too, um, just their attitude towards crypto in general. Um, it, they're one of those companies where you look at their peers, right? You look at the you look at Google, you look at Meta, you look at some of these other companies that have dipped their toes into crypto that are going full into crypto. And it's, you know, Apple is very the opposite. And it's kind of surprising. Apple's usually the company that does some of these wacky moves, you know, that other people disagree with that are kind of bold, right? Like they were the first company to do exclusively USB ports and get rid of the, you know, PS2 port and the serial ports and the floppy disks, got rid of those. They were the first company to get rid of the CD drive. Like they did all those crazy things. And I'm wondering where, where's that Apple right now? Because like, so do I think Apple's going to be on the governing council member? No. Um, but I think they'd be a you know good governing council member. There a lot of things that they're doing. Um, they talk about tokenization. They talk about having keys, right? Apple's doing a lot of stuff when it comes to security and logins and um, you know tokenizing things. Like they literally 
talk about those things. They're they're tokenizing things, but um, they just aren't. They're, they're so far removed from Web three. So now I don't think they're going to be a governing council member. And then of course it has to be brought up. Elon Musk, right? Everyone is con. Anytime I even mention the term governing council member, somebody's like SpaceX, you know, Tesla, you know, um, and or even now, you know, X, right? Like it's clear X would be a fantastic use case for, you know, Hashgraph and Hedera with micropayments and um, all these different types of things, be able to sidestep some of these app store things and uh, with a focus on like censorship and everything like that. There's a huge alignment, you know what I mean? But it's it's interesting. Like it would Elon Musk, would Tesla, would SpaceX, to be frank, like do you see a guy like Elon Musk or something like that getting along with, you know, Lehman and Mance, you know, having someone that vocal, you know, on the governing council. Now, you know, technically no, Elon Musk would, probably not be on the governing council. It would be, you know, uh, representatives from whichever company is on the governing council. I mean, sure, maybe he's on the governing council, but a lot of people do say like, yeah, maybe it wouldn't be a good idea, you know, having Elon Musk freaking out about stuff on the internet in relation to Hedera or like pumping HBAR or breaking rules or, you know, it would definitely frazz Mansell Lehman. I can't see Mansell Lehman getting along. I've, I've also seen them indirectly kind of, you know, really kind of look down not look down, but like shrug off the thought of having Elon Musk on the governing council or any of his related companies. But again, you know, he Elon Musk tweets out the H bar symbol. You know, it's it's not not tweeting it in that context. The symbol for something else, uh, math related, but um, you know, and also he talks about the fact that networks like Bitcoin, like Ethereum, and like a lot of these layer twos, he says that they're not scalable. Um, they're not going to do what we need them to do. We need something like a hash ledger, right? He understands the core principles behind. That's the thing about Elon Musk is he understands a lot of the the the, the key fundamentals um, regarding these technologies um, and a lot of those primitives that go behind them. And it's clear he understands, you know, the nature of these technologies and the fact that, you know, you have to worry about BFT versus ABFT and, and what a hash ledger is, what a hash graph could be. Um, so it would be, it would be impossible to say that he doesn't know about Hedera and understand the technology. Um, I think it's just, a you know, it, it again, you, you go, you think about who was that governing council member that was kind of shot down in the executive session at the governing council member meeting, um, you know, who knows? And yeah, that's, I think, who I've seen floating around. Those are the names I've seen floating around and some reasons why. And again, I'll say pure speculation. It's fun. You know, it's fun to do this. I know it grinds a couple people's gears. I know I'm going to get some comments from people. Um, but you know, whatever, it's fine to, to speculate on this stuff. And again, probably not going to be one of these companies. It's probably going to be a company that we, we've never heard of before. That's just, that's how the previous ones have been. Um, I mean, we know about Dell technologies, but who thought Dell would be a governing council member? You know what I mean? So we'll have to see, um, real quick too. Um, I mean, this show keeps growing. Um, it's, it's averaging on space is about 500 listeners a week, which is crazy. Um, 
I started the show back in 2021 uh, in the fall for about, you know, 12 people I've been doing the show for. Um, and, you know, over the years, I've covered every major Hedera news event, unpacked almost every juicy rumor. And I've co uh, ho hosted countless in-depth, bear with me guys, I'm still getting, I'm, I'm, this cold is progressively getting worse into the show, but somehow is making me more, um, it's making me more introspective about this news and the things I'm talking about. So we're get, it's getting interesting, but um, having trouble reading my script. So bear with me. I'm trying, what I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to raise awareness and support for the show to send the show some contributions of H bar so I can um, sound better on the show. I don't sound great, right? I don't sound great. I listen back to the show. It's not good. Um, very unhappy with, with the quality. Um, sometimes when I listen to the Twitter spaces, it sounds like I'm broadcasting from the inside of a briefcase. So um, what I'm doing right now is in a desperate effort to improve the quality of the show. Um, you know, uh, yada, 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 you know, I've hosted a lot of things and talked about the news. I'm great. Um, and I've been able to do it live with all of you guys. If you'd like to support the show, consider making an HBAR contribution like many folks in the ecosystem have. Um, even like a few HBAR add up. Like sometimes I literally get 20 HBAR and it has like the nicest memo in it that just makes me feel amazing. That goes a long way. Um, what's going on right now is I've, I've talked to a couple people in the ecosystem, a couple people that do like really great Twitter spaces. Like, how do you sound good? What equipment do you get? Yada, yada. I need something bulletproof. I need something specific for spaces. I need a soundboard. I need, like I've used a lot of studio equipment in the past, but I need something that's just plug and play, good to go, going to work, going to have everything I need. I'm going to want maybe some more microphones and stuff. Who knows? And what's been recommended to me by multiple people is I think it's like the road podcaster thing or whatever. Um, so that's like a grand Canadian it comes with a mic. It's perfect. It's what I need. Um, I see my business partner, Joshua Lucas listening, Joshua Dirksen. Um, I'm getting, I'm getting the dumb, dumb mixer podcast. I mean, a road mic, it's not great. I know it's going to drive you nuts, but it's the one I need. Um, and the, uh, he, he's an audiophile. He's like got the, the dopest sound gear. He could probably like, honestly, I should just put him in charge of this stuff. I don't even know what I'm doing, but anyways, I'm getting that. It's grand. We're uh, the good news is we're all, we're over halfway to the goal. Um, I'm going to be getting this thing soon. I'm going to pony up some of my own cash to get it too. I, it's, it's honestly, it's more than I thought it would be, but I could get something less expensive. It just, I, I wouldn't like one thing that I want to be able to do is quickly and easily pull in clips and recordings and different stuff like that. So I'm going to get that. It works well with iPhones. It has the best kind. It, one thing that it does too, is it has the ability to automatically filter out feedback. So people talking to me and then me talking about things, it sends a clean signal designed kind of for Twitter spaces. So there's a lot of technical things in it um, outside of my knowledge, um, but I can, I'll be able to work it. Um, so you can send a contribution to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. Again, fun memos appreciated. Literally, just send me one HBAR with a fun memo. It makes my day. The show's full Hedera address is in the podcast show notes, YouTube description, and the mega thread up at the top. Go find it. Help me out. Appreciate all you guys. All the info you need about the show is at itsbrandond.com slash HBAR. Um, you can leave me a tip on Galaxy too. You can do that too. Keep it web three. Um, 
Galaxy's dope. Shadow. It's been going good. They did some good updates. The app is snappier. Let's talk about something that is kind of in the more rumor breadcrumb realm, which was SkyGrid. Uh, it's actually, you know what? Let's do this first. Actually, there's a couple. There's a couple little news. Items. Let's just let's just get these out of the way. Let's get these out of the way. Um, happy fifth birthday to Hedera. Um, we want to wish you a happy birthday. August twenty fourth was the day five years ago that Mance and Lehman sat down at a Starbucks and Mance um, got some kind of like weird green tea smoothie with whipped cream or something, and Lehman got a regular coffee. They sat down on a laptop and they hit the enter key and 50 billion HBAR was minted. Lehman promised us that there would never be any more HBAR minted, but that's a story for another day. And yeah, that happened. And now here we are five years later. What a difference. One thing that we, when I was talking with King Solomon earlier um, that I forgot to mention was in the last, people forget this. I, I can't remember who brought this up. I actually think it was Zepsi that was on the HBAR bull show last week that we'll talk about, but. He mentioned that on the last bull run, when Hedera rode up to 50 cents, we got to remember that we weren't trending on Twitter. We didn't have a big community. We didn't have that social lift at all. Um, now, it seems like every single day, you know, Hedera is trending all of the um, key social sentiment kind of marketing tracking companies that, that uh, digest this information and identify these trends just recently, right in the past couple of months are now kind of saying, whoa, like H bar Hedera is trending. A lot of people are talking about it. We, you know, we talked about all the FUD that's been coming out. Um, I was recently on a H bar foundation spaces talking about that. Um, it's bad enough. Zenobia had to come out and talk about this stuff, guys. It's crazy. Um, she actually had some really good uh, insights into kind of like the press, like dealing with, you know, Coindesk and major publications um, and dealing with kind of the misinformation versus malinformation, right? You know, you talk about FUD and, oh, it's hurting the, you know, the community or the brand or whatever. And it's this malinformation. And it's like, no, most of it's just misinformation. Just people, you know, bad, it's just bad information out there. So dealing with that, she was sharing some very, like, if you're into marketing, go listen to that spaces. Zenobia was just sharing some of the kind of behind the scenes nuances that go into, you know, communicating with major, uh, you know, publications and press organizations and PR agencies and kind of going like, hey, there's misinformation out there about our company and how do we deal with that? Um, so there's some good insights on that. But um, yeah, last time at a bull run, there was none of this. It was just Hedera shot up. So what's this bull run going to be like when we hit it, you know, into next, you know, some people say it's next year, some people say it's 2025, who knows? Um, but that's a new element. That's kind of crazy, right? Um, but uh, yeah, happy fifth birthday, Hedera Shadow. Um, the test net has been on fire. If anyone's uh, if anyone's looked at the you know Hedera transaction counter for the test net recently, um, on the twenty fourth, um, Twitter user and kind of community legend, uh, Bionasis, Bionasis. I never actually said your Twitter name out loud at B I O N A S Y S. Bionasis. That's it, isn't it? Weird. It's so crazy. You know someone on Twitter for so long, you just have never said their Twitter name out loud. I have no idea how to pronounce it. Uh, they post a screenshot 
with the test net running at 13,000 transactions per second. Um, it's been rumored, like there's a, uh, Rob Allen said just a week ago, um, Mance Harmon said this, like within, they've said specifically, I think even Shane at the HBAR Foundation said this, specifically within the next six months, um, there are high transaction use cases going live on the mainnet. So when you look at the test net, you see 13,000 transactions per second. You know, that's kind of crazy. Um, you know, it's been rumored that, that work has been going into um, getting the network in fighting shape to remove the 10,000 transactions per second throttle. So, and the other thing too that we talked about last week, but is worth bringing up again in this context is the fact that time to finality for the network dropped below five seconds uh, or sorry, four seconds. So that's a key aspect because for a while, the time to finality was at about six seconds and there was concern and this was addressed to Lehman. They, you know, it was kind of like the the time to finality is getting longer and that's not a good look for Hedera being a fast network. And what Lehman said is it's not a huge priority and it's something that can be um, lowered with a, with a simple upgrade and some testing. We, we're prepared for this, but it's just not a priority. Um, and it was kind of insinuated that the the time that that would happen would be when there would be a sharp increase in transactions. So seeing that put into place, and again, this upgrade was done and it was rolled back because of some volatility with that time to consensus, but it appears it's back, it's live, it's we're under four seconds, um, which kind of tells a story of an anticipated increase in transactions, 13,000 running on the test net, you know, it's a, it all uh, all things point in the same direction as far as I'm concerned. Um, there was some conversations around wrapped HBAR. I'm not going to go too deep into this, guys, to be honest, but I just want to put it on people's radar. There are, the, on a lot of networks, you have wrapped assets, right? You have wrapped Ethereum, you have wrapped Solana, and then, you know, on Hedera, right, you'll have wrapped Bitcoin, wrapped, uh, you know, Quant or whatever. Um, and those are there on Hedera for anyone, you know, who, um, wants to, you know, just have an extra element of risk and not sleep well at night, um, with the incredible dry liquidity. Um, but one of those is wrapped H bar and that's critical for this ecosystem because, um, you have to, you know, have wrapped H bar for a lot of these DeFi products to function. A lot of the things that you want to do with your HBAR on these DeFi products, you can't actually do those things with your normal HBAR. They have to be turned into wrapped HBAR to perform some functions leveraging Solidity smart contracts, the EVM, right? The problem is we have fragmentation, right? So all the DEXs, right? Like Saucer Swap, Heli Swap, Pangolin, all, you know. They all have their own version of wrapped HBAR, which creates problems because that means that that wrapped HBAR is an interoperable between those different DeFi products. So you have the, those silos and that fragmentation. You can't have, let's say, uh, a more broad shared wrapped HBAR liquidity pool, let's say. So the idea is, wouldn't it be great to consolidate this and have one wrapped HBAR that all of the DEXs can share? The problem 
again is the wrapped H bars for each decks is different, and they're and some of those wrapped H bars are tailored to that particular decks's features. So it's an ongoing conversation. I don't want to get too into it, but I want to bring it up to people's attention that that's something that's going to be happening. Um, it's viewed by many parties that wrapped H bar and the fragmentation of it is a, is an issue. We need to have one instead of all different ones. And it's going to require these DEXs doing a lot of work, doing a lot of backtracking, taking on a lot of technical debt to make that happen. It's, it's painful, but very, very good for the long term. And it's going to get harder and harder to do it. So it's a situation where it's like rip off the Band-Aid, but there are all sorts of other pros and cons to weigh. And Apologies, just blowing my nose again. Bear with me, folks. I'm doing the best I can. Um, the other element to this is um, uh, Nick Vitero from the community writes, and I always read this verbatim because this is also worth mentioning, is wrapped HBAR is not HBAR, nor does it provide any utility for HBAR aside from a way to um, you know, interact with Solidity and smart contracts and stuff. He writes... Wrapped HBAR does not affect the security of the HBAR ecosystem either. Um, the narrative needs to shift away from how we can jerry-rig a smart contract interoperability solution to how can we elevate the Hedera native solutions that make interoperability seamless and secure via the network's native strengths. Um, and he cites HBAR Suite. This is a DEX that um, doesn't use smart contracts. Um, so that's the other way of looking at this is you know, we're on Hedera. Why are we leveraging um, EVM type tokens when we could instead just use native um, net network protocol tooling to accomplish these things? The trade-off for that is it puts us on a little more of an island and a little, you know, it creates fewer opportunities to, to bridge that liquidity between networks. So complex topic, but a very important topic. Make sure you follow it. Wrapped HBAR. Keep it on your radar. Um, what else? Um, oh, also too, like uh, shout out to um, the HBAR Bull. Great episode last week. Where I'll actually mention a few things from the episode. I mean, um, most notably, I was on the show, had a chance to actually talk about a couple of my projects, talked a little bit about um, Pixel Rug, kind of the reminiscing about the early days of NFTs. Um, I'm actually really excited to have opportunities to start working on some new things for Pixel Rug. Um, I have shared a bunch of ideas with with a few people I'm working with. Um, and it's the, kind of the nature of things. The NFT market's a tough one, guys. But the the good builders, the good brands out there, um, they're using this as an opportunity to kind of get themselves positioned for a bull market. Um, also got a chance to talk about the working groups, right? Like the... Hashgraph DeFi Alliance, Hashgraph DAO Working Group, Hashgraph NFT Working Group. Um, some of the initiatives there um, was happy to do that. Also talked about some of the work that um, my creative firm, Thurkson and Davenport Incorporated, is doing in the ecosystem. You know, again, shout out to my business partner down there, Joshua, my best friendo, creative collaborator. We put out a song recently, "Hello Future," um, that uh, is the the anthem. And makes people aware of uh, the very important fact that we do have NFTs uh, and a DeFi space. Um, check that out if you haven't already. Grab it. You know what to do. 
had an opportunity to talk about some of the work that we're doing. I, you know, I, it was great being on the show. I don't often get an opportunity to like just kind of chat on some of the behind the scenes stuff and everything. So check it out if you want. He also interviewed, um, he interviewed Karate Combat. He interviewed, um, um, oh, who was the person he interviewed at the top of the show? Can't remember. But he also had a great segment with um, Rob Allen. Again, we brought, I bring him up all the time. Rob Allen is just a legend in the ecosystem. He started as like a regular investor in the Telegram chats. He was then on the governing council through FPOS. Then he went to the HBAR Foundation. Now he's at the Hashgraph Association. Talk about a career trajectory. Um, and uh, in the Shark Bites segment, because he also takes photographs of sharks, um, Brandon, the HBAR Bull, um, brought up a question for Rob that was kind of around, you know, the differences between the Guardian and Dovu. And like, is Dovu losing steam? Um, right. A lot of people are talking about like, oh, some of these projects in the ecosystem, they're losing steam. They've got a little quiet. Um, it was kind of like just mentioned, and I, and I share the sentiment that like, just cause a project's quiet, um, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not doing, um, you know, really good things or still building like Dovu, um, is making huge contributions to the, uh, open source guardian, which is like the core underpinning of the kind of refi ESG um, uh, aspect of, you know, the Hedera network. And, and, you know, a lot of these major use cases, uh, rely on Dovu and the guardian. So, um, you know, like even, you know, Avery Dennison's at my IO. So, um, he's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, projects go quiet, but you know, there's, there's, there's big things happening. I want to have Matt on the show soon too, a CTO from Dovu. Um, but, um, Rob just, you know, he also kind of clarified that, you know, Guardian is a policy workflow engine that leverages HCS and HTS. It's kind of like, you know, just a straight up technology stack. Um, and he says that they have some tricks up their sleeve. So again, you know, just kind of, you know, coming to conclusions on some stuff, it's clear that, you know, some of these use cases that have been around for a while are getting ready to do some crazy stuff. He was also asked about the Swirls stablecoin accelerator that has been mentioned um, most recently in the um, uh, Shinhan Bank um, Straits X uh, stablecoin international remittance proof of concept that we talked about on the show um, a couple of weeks ago, and also just King Solomon was talking about earlier. Um, that stablecoin accelerator, I think, is becoming more and more interesting for people because. Um, that has, you know, Rob Allen clear again, clarifies it has an HTS token. So, you know, you have your actual stablecoin as an HTS token, but it also has the rule-based controls, um, and keys via smart contracts for auditing control that EVM equivalents, um, through the quote unquote, you know, stablecoin accelerator. So a lot of these different use cases that want to have stable coins that can get the best of both worlds, um, that can utilize the EVM and those smart contract components, but then also have the security and low fees of just a native HTS token that they can just move around. Um, that's something that is, I think, a new element that, uh, and I know that Greg at Swirls Labs and his team is building that, um, the Swirls Stablecoin Accelerator. But that in particular is, again, one of those kind of behind the scenes, under the radar technologies that I think is going to cause a bit of a ripple effect in some of these use cases we're seeing. And again, we saw that with that um, stablecoin international remittance proof of concept because what that allowed them to do 
was bring in real-time Forex quotes for those stablecoin pairs at the bank and be able to offer that real-time remittance. So it's like crazy stuff. Um, that's one thing to keep an eye on. Um, also um, in the show, um, oh, that was that was the other thing. Uh, he interviewed, uh, Brandon interviewed the CEO of Drop. That was it. Go watch that episode. You have to watch it for the interview of Drop because we talked about, you know, the FedNow stuff, the fact that Drop is a provider under FedNow for specifically micropayments leveraging the Hedera network. Um, the interview there was great because you actually got to understand what actually is going on, what their roadmap looks like and kind of the ins and outs of that particular use case and what we can expect from it. Um, more specifically, the fact that um, there will be, um, you know, actual, you know, transactions running through drop on the Hedera network that are going to be interacting with the Fed now government system. So that in the U S so that's kind of crazy. Um, and you know, great episode, go watch that H bar bull, um, episode from Friday. It's a good one. Um, there's two, there's, there's two things here. One, one thing that I want to talk about is the new Australian CBDC pilot. Um, this was a PDF. It's like a 50 page PDF that was published. Um, Lots of interesting um, elements to this. This is something Rod Allen spoke to, but also um, it's a supply chain type use case that is um, not necessarily supply chain. It's more for the construction industry and the fact that you have a lot of counterparty risk. You have a lot of um, need for event-based triggered payments, very similar to the fresh supply uh, co use case. Um, where, you know, in their use case, you have food running through the supply chain. You have to have loans and offsets and payments triggered and food being combined and new ingredients, things being tracked. And so you need a lot of these um, payments and loans and all these different things applied and paid and um, done automatically in a trusted way. So they leverage Hedera to make those things happen. So this is very similar. So this is a CBDC pilot. So again, bringing this in and he met, Rob Allen mentioned recently that there are seven to eight CBDCs live now in the world, which is kind of crazy. Um, and uh, there are basically within this kind of pilot program from uh, the Australian, uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia, so RBA is the acronym, and the Digital Finance Cooperative Research Center, the DFCRC. They collaborated on a research project to explore how a CBDC might benefit the Australian financial system. The project aimed uh, to understand the potential use cases and business models supported by a CBDC in Australia. Australia's be kind of, uh, become a hotbed for Hedera because of a lot of the connections for through the governing council members and the fact that the regulatory environment there is a lot more foundation, like there's a more more of a foundation there, it's more clarified. The U.S. regulatory environment is wacky, um, so there's a lot of innovation happening there. Um, there, the, the submissions for this um, covered a wide range of CBDC use cases that could potentially benefit um, Australian households and, and businesses. There were 140 proposals, um, and they were all potentially live projects, so this was kind of something in motion, um, and it was narrowed down to 14 projects. One of those projects was trade flows by not centralized. So that's the company name is not centralized. Um, it's focused on construction payments, like we said, 
key pain points and how programmable payments using CBDCs could remove counterparty risk, essentially like a multi-sig contract. Um, and they're leveraging Hedera Hashgraph. And so that's what this is about, is this is a submission, a proposal of, listen, the construction industry being able to leverage a central bank digital currency and those types of stable coins to have these programmatic triggered payments to eliminate a lot of that counterparty risk as materials move around the construction industry, it could really alleviate a lot of those concerns and unlock a lot of of liquidity that would either either be um, used for you know all sorts of different um, you know purposes. So, not centralized today published a blog article that went over a bunch of things. I just want to run through one element of it, which was interesting. Which is, what's the process of this? Like right, like how do you if you were in the construction industry, how would you leverage this use case? Um, and so this is just an outline from them of how a particular workflow may function. So number one, counterparties have both public and private wallet addresses. Um, number two, payers convert fiat into stablecoin, which is then moved to a private balance in that wallet. Again, that's where the CBDC type of stablecoin element is brought into it because you have to be able to have that fiat into a stablecoin and you have to have that that assurance that you know, zero risk asset, that one-to-one backed stablecoin that's government backed. Number three, deals are created with terms such as an initial upfront payment. Number four, payments are committed to digital escrows and counterparties can view the locked amounts. Number five, once the work is completed, funds can be transferred to private balances. And number six, the entire contract amount can be transferred out once all conditions are met. So again, this is very similar to FSCO's use case with those programmable um, triggered uh, payment um, mechanisms and workflows. But this is for the construction industry in the Australian market, you know, exciting FSCOs in the New Zealand market. So it's clear, you know, a lot of this innovation um, is not happening in the U.S. because of the regulatory environment. You know, I shouldn't say it's not happening in the U.S. You know, you could argue a majority of crypto innovation is in the U.S. What I more so mean is these real-world use cases that would potentially tie into a government-backed stablecoin, a CBDC, or um, some kind of traditional payment rails, like with FSCO with MasterCard. A lot of that's happening outside the U.S. Uh, So worth mentioning. Another potential use case that's a little out there, and I mean, we're almost through it, guys. I know that these spaces get longer. I was mentioning previously on the show that I want to break up the show a little bit. Um, I want to have this show in particular be news and rumors only. I'm going to do, I think, a different show for interviews and have it be flexible. You know, like I was saying, I had Matt from Dover reaching out to me. He wants to be on the show. I have people reaching out to me who want to be on the show. I love this time slot, but it doesn't work for everybody. I can't get a time slot that does work for everybody. So for interviews, I think I want to just do them a little more off the cuff, not really have a set time or anything, just basically do an announcement like, hey, I'm going to be having a conversation with so-and-so on this day at this time. Check it out. And then when the show goes live on, you know, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I can edit it all together. But rest assured, those interviews will also be live as well. We're just going to break it up a bit. Um, because I, I don't, 
we have had a three hour show. That was the show that I did for the, for the 50th episode or yeah, the 50th episode or yeah, 50th episode. Um, did that with uh, King Solomon, Dead Pixels, Hangry Barboons, gave away a bunch of stuff, gave away Dead Pixels Club, Ghost Pass thing. And it was like three hours long. It's like, I can't do another three hour show. I got to break it up. Um, but again, guess we're, guess we're going for it this time again, folks. SkyGrid is a joint venture between Boeing and Spark Cognition. This, this is, again, this is another kind of rumor, speculative, possible use case involving a governing council members. This was shared on the um, Hedera community on Reddit. Now, big asterisks to this, big yellow flag here. A key component of this is information provided by ChatGPT. It's probably garbage, but it's worth noting anyways because the other elements to this and just the fact that Boeing is involved and Boeing has expressed that they are um, building uh, use cases on the Hedera network and the fact that they've been to 97% of the governing council meetings shows that Boeing is a very involved um, member and this is right up their alley and it seems pretty aligned. So SkyGrid is building a platform. So it's the goal of SkyGrid. SkyGrid is a platform being built to manage both manned and unmanned flights in the same airspace. So very similar to what Neuron is building, right? And they've got that partnership in the UK um, with the Royal Mail and stuff. So very similar, right? Neuron is focused on it, that the same thing, manned and unmanned flights and tracking those things and tokenizing those and um, standardizing all that air traffic. SkyGrid has been an FAA certified low altitude authorization and notification capability provider since 2019. SkyGrid provides UTM and um, that, you know, the acronym is LAANC services to thousands daily, including individual drone pilots, enterprises, and government agencies. And the big pain point here is you can't fly drones everywhere because the signals for those airspace and where those little crafts are, there's we don't have that interoperability. So all that data is crisscrossed and you can't get all of it in one place. So that's why we don't have these, you know, more widespread drone delivery services and all these different types of types of things, just because that air traffic is, you know, hidden away kind of. And so that's why kind of they say blockchain is crucial for this to maintain safety, auditability. Each drone has a unique ID in the blockchain, recording its flight path, maintenance history, and more. Um, it ensures that data integrity and prevents tampering. So that's really important. So again, it's literally describing the exact same thing that Neuron is doing on Hedera for their use case in the UK. Now, these are this is the chat GPT component. So chat GPT outlines the SkyGrid is using Hedera Hashgraphs DLT for the airspace management system. That SkyGrid is partnered with Hedera Hashgraph to leverage its DLT platform uh, and Hedera's consensus mechanism. So again, I would say off the top that, you know, this is just chat GPT hallucinating. It makes no sense. But again, it's worth mentioning that this is exactly what Neuron is doing. Neuron is a use case that is building on Hedera with a proof of concept backed by um, the, you know, UK government. And, you know, so it's it's one of those things where it's like, these these are things that are actually happening. It's not crazy, but in this particular case, it is ChatGPT. How much can you chat, trust ChatGPT? 
not a super trustworthy guy. Um, and Boeing has invested in Spark Ignition multiple times and is creating SkyGrid, uh, created this SkyGrid stuff with them in 2018. Um, and so the other element to this is Outlier Ventures is an investor in SkyGrid. Outlier Ventures, remember, is the investment arm of Boeing. Outlier Ventures also one is one of the original investors of Hedera early on. So again, it's hard to not think that this would be built on Hedera. Um, so the security specialist at Boeing, uh, Peter Kian Rivera, attended Hedera Governing Council meetings and has worked on blockchain-related activities related to Hedera at Boeing. So key figure that would be involved in this particular use case is present in person at Governing Council meetings. Um, given their requirements for fair sequencing, time stamping, and auditability, um, it's clear that HCS, right, like the consensus service, is the one product on the market that would work well for this. That's kind of the secret weapon that Hedera has is HCS. The Hedera consensus service is the only product of its kind on the market, right? No other network has that. And that's what's attractive for enterprise. So for those reasons, um, do I think that the stuff that ChatGBT says is true or whatever? It's like, I honestly don't think so. Um, but again, it's the exact same as what Neuron is building. And this use case involves Boeing and the key investment arm into SkyGrid is the same one that invested in Hedera. It's like, come on, it's kind of right in front of us. Um, so I would give this one a solid, um, how many thumbs up out of five? Three. I give it a three thumbs up out of five in regards to if I think it's tied to Hedera or not. This is the, this is the speculation show. I called the show exponential expectations because I think we're insane right now. Think about it in January, right? Um, one trans like one digit transactions per second. Um, everything was bummed out. Now we've got crazy announcements coming in. We got Hyundai doing things. We got Fed now. Um, what else we got going on? We got, uh, let me, I, I actually listed a bunch of these in a recent episode. Um, yeah, uh, Hyundai, uh, we have the the uh, a hip from Boeing. We have FSCO. Um, we have the the major banks doing stablecoin international remittance proof of concepts. Um, you know, for uh, sixteen billion pounds worth of tokenized uh, money market funds from Aberdeen, or sorry, mutual funds from Aberdeen. Um, we're 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 surpassing a two billion dollar market cap. Um, almost 20 billion transactions per second. Like it's crazy. And it feels to me right now that like we're expecting even more. It's nuts, but I think it's the right thing to do. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the attitude that we should have is these exponential expectations. I often have a belief that I, that, you know, I, I abide by is like, sometimes if you expect anything, you expect too much. But when you're dealing with a technology like Hedera in a space like Web3, where, again, it really just comes down right to the numbers every time sometimes. Um, in a bear market, it adds up. How many coin trading pairs do you have out there on exchanges? What's your market cap? How much development activity do you have? Um, 
all of those numbers start to go up. And, you know, we've got some good numbers, sure, but there are other things that we need. A lot of people talk about the fact that there needs to be more focus on retail. The fact that, you know, the native staking rates dropped. We talk about that with King Solomon. I agree with him that that was probably the right move. Again, it's not great optics. Um, so in this situation where we have so much success and so many crazy announcements and more people are talking about Hedera now than have ever been talking about Hedera before, um, expectations have also gone up. Um, and I think the expectations of this community is going to go up exponentially. And I think that uh, Hedera should be ready for that. Because, you know, if the rubber meets the road and we have some big announcements happening, you're going to want to keep that momentum, right? Imagine if Hedera has a crazy announcement, right? Imagine if for some reason that, you know, they announce Microsoft as a governing council member. That would be crazy, right? That would be crazy. I think it would have a, a mass impact on a lot of aspects of the network. I think it also would shoot up a lot of people's expectations. It would flip Hedera into a very speculative asset class. And what do you do after that? Right? Is Hedera as a governing council in tune with that enough? Do they understand that you have to keep up that kind of crazy momentum? I don't know. Is it going to be a situation where you just have a, in a bear market, you have a crazy announcement like that, you have a big spike and then it kind of tapers off and putters out? You know, what are you going to do? Um, so I think that that's really kind of a, a key aspect to this whole thing is, you know, get ready governing council because we're seeing it now. You think things are going good? Well, we want it better. Seems like we're nuts, yeah. but for good reason. Keep you on your toes. Um, but um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the vibe. Exponential expectations. Another aspect to this that's been really interesting is people talk about HBAR decoupling a lot. And what they refer to that is, is generally HBAR, like most altcoins will follow the price of Bitcoin. And um, the, the thing that we kind of are hoping to see is HBAR start making substantial moves on its own. And we're starting to see that now. There's, a, there's an index, there's a correlations matrix that you can look up where it basically tracks the top cryptos out there and the the kind of the multiplier of correlation to Bitcoin. And if you look at, you know, Cardano or XRP or Litecoin or Ethereum, they all have a correlation index of, you know, 0.82, you know, some as low as 0.72. Um, but Hedera, interestingly, is at 0.3. That's the lowest that we've seen this index. And what that means is it means that Hedera is demonstrating a price action that doesn't match Bitcoin very well. And that's incredibly interesting because it shows that Hedera is making moves on its own. Now, to be fair, Hedera has done this before, but it hasn't really mattered before. And it hasn't mattered before because there hasn't been enough volume, right? When you see Hedera making a crazy move in regards to price and there isn't a lot of volume behind it, it just kind of means that, you know, it's just, it's kind of, you can treat it like a little glitch. But when you do have more volume behind these moves, it means that something is probably happening that's worth checking out. And, you know, if I look at these numbers and it has this correlation index of 0.3, that's very low. Um, and 
you look at the volume behind some of these moves on HBAR, that's very interesting. Um, if we do have a major announcement, it's, you know, there's more of a likelihood now that Hedera would make a strong move on its own. So again, expectations, like I've been saying. Hashpack recently announced two really cool features. They announced a new airdropping tool in their advanced tools area in the wallet. Very cool. They also announced um, kind of a, a, a mirror node indexing kind of scanning system that'll kind of allow you to, to take a snapshot of tokens out there. So very useful for a lot of projects. This stuff is great. It's right in the wallet. It's handy. It works perfectly for so many people. So shout out to Hashpack. If you haven't tried those things out, try it out. Um, also too, the CEO of Quant um, recently, um, his name is um, Gilbert. I love the name Gilbert. Gilbert Verdian um, or Verdian. I, I'm I'm so genuinely bad at pronouncing things on the show. I I was referring to for the longest time M Tech. I was referring to M Tech as EM Tech. It literally took the CEO to correct me when I had Carmel on the show. Um, that's how bad it is, guys. Um, so the CEO of Quant said, "Quote: If you want to do something fast, you don't use Bitcoin. You use Hedera." And this is on video. This is on an interview um, for a new show at a conference. Um, and it's clear that, you know, Hedera has found its space in the market um, and other networks are, you know, recognizing the competitive advantages that Hedera has, you know, especially HCS as an enterprise service. And, you know, uh, you know uh, some of these aspects of Hedera don't necessarily compete in these other arenas, you know, specifically quant, um, and kind of cool, you know, quant CEO saying, you know, again, if you don't want, if, if you want to do something fast, don't use Bitcoin, use Hedera. Um, and that's kind of the vibe that I love to see. We see, um, Manson Lehman do this sometimes and even Hedera folks, you know, like there are networks out there that do some things better than Hedera. I mentioned this on, um, the, the, uh, um, the HBAR Foundation spaces I was on the panel for recently. It's like, that's just a reality that we, you, you know, people in Adera that are, you know, self, you know, described maxis. It's like, the reality is, is there are some networks out there that do some things better than Hedera. That's just a, a factual statement. And, you know, that's just the world we live in. So it's good to see this kind of stuff. I dig it. Shout out. Shout out, Gilbert. We, we appreciate you. Um, we chatted about that already. Oh, also too, Timeless, um, ESG use case, uh, and also a, a, a project leveraging the Hedera Guardian. Um, as we've seen the testnet, as we've said, humming along at 13,000 uh, transactions per second, Timeless is minting NFTs of all sorts of different kinds for renewable energy certificates, guarantees of origin, all sorts of different tokenized um, aspects and entities that flow through that policy workflow engine and tech stack of the Guardian, that stuff is live and it's going through the test net and there's things happening. So um, I would keep an eye on Timeless right now. Again, they also announced a partnership recently with Dovu and all these different types of things. So keep an eye on Timeless specifically. Wow, guys. Um, and with that, um, another week behind us and another week ahead before 
I share my quick final thoughts for the week. A huge shout out to everyone listening live on Spaces right now. Another shout out to everyone listening to the recording on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. An extra shout out to all the supporters of the show. The contributions mean so much. Also, thanks to King Solomon for stopping by earlier. Um, really get great insights in regards to just DeFi um, accessibility issues that Hedera has. Um, and make sure to check out his uh, interview with Mance Harmon, co-founder of Hedera Swirls, tomorrow live on Spaces, 4 p.m. Eastern. Check it out. It's going to be a good one. He's got, he shared some of the questions he's going to ask Mance. Um, I said to him, like, can we find out if Mance has any ideas of who the governing council member could be? He's probably not going to say that. He's probably going to be mad if he asks him, but we'll find out anyways. Um, and yeah, I mean, exponential expectations, that's kind of where we're at. We're in a bear market. People are getting rowdy. People are getting hungry. Um, exciting things are happening in the space. Hedera is in a unique position. Hedera is geared towards enterprise. Um, as the crypto market, you know, is in a bear as the development and stuff and things kind of go a little more behind the scenes and things quiet down a little bit. BC money is nicely and safely tucked away in their money market funds and they're not really um, putting too much capital out. Although I have seen a couple um, people in the VC community on on X recently doing some posts that a few funds are kind of waking up a little bit and some interesting things are happening. I've seen Paul Graham tweeting a little more, so who knows what's going to be happening on that front. But things just kind of seem boring. I mean, NFT liquidity is down on Ethereum and all the other networks. D-Gods kind of bum people out. It's just kind of a bummer vibe out there and people are looking for stuff. And because Hedera is geared towards enterprise, we got a lot of exciting things happening right now. We have a lot of crazy announcements, right? So here's Hedera, you know, doing these crazy announcements contrasted by kind of a bear market lull at the bottom, boring vibe. So Hedera is kind of sticking out. And I think that it's creating a lot of expectations. I think that hopefully we have more news coming out. I think we're overdue for a governing council member. I think that may be an exciting one. We've been told that in the next six months, we're going to have a lot of new transactions moving through the network. We've got a spike in account creation. All these crazy things are happening. I think people's expectations are just going to keep growing as well. So this is a this is a message. I'm now speaking to the governing council of Hedera. Prepare yourselves. Understand that when you do anything exciting, we're going to expect more and more and more. Don't let us down. Keep it exciting. Keep the wheels spinning. Don't do this thing where you just promise something that doesn't happen or it takes forever or tell us to be patient. Don't do that to us. Do something exciting. Have something else planned. Don't just follow Sony and then don't say anything. Please. You've already taken away our staking rewards. Please do something exciting. Uh, and... That's a wrap for the Hashgraph Enthusiast News and Rumors Show episode 89. Exponential Expectations broadcast live on Spaces every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms. The following Monday, quick reminder, I'm going to be doing some crazy stuff with the show. I don't think I'm going to be doing interviews anymore on Sundays. It's too much. I have too much to talk about already. I'll be doing interviews at other times. So follow and get ready. I have no idea what it's going to look like. My first one will probably be Matt, the CTO, the chief technical officer from Dovu. 
Dova's doing crazy things. They're doing a new token. They're getting rid of their old one. They're increasing the supply by um, 10 times. Everyone is a little bit confused. A lot of things are happening. There's many things going on. I want to know what's happening. I want to speak to the man himself. So I'll, I'll get that sorted. I'll get a conversation going with him, and I'll let you guys know when that's happening. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, you can send an HBAR contribution to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet, and the show's full Hedera addresses in the podcast show notes, YouTube description, the mega thread up above in the Jumbotron. Get all the info you need about the show at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. I'll see you next Sunday. And as usual, if you're listening right now, if you see somebody, I'm referring to the people listening on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Um, if you see somebody listening on this X spaces, and maybe you know them, you haven't talked to them in a while, click their profile picture, send them a DM, ask them what's new. I can guarantee you they have something new going on. Stay connected. If you see someone listening right now that you don't recognize, um, good news. You have something in common. You've both been listening to me ramble on for two hours. So you have a bond. So click their profile picture, send them a message, introduce yourself. Let's stay connected. That's how stuff happens. And with that, hello future, goodbye past.